Hello and welcome to Reagan Communications Podcast, the Communication Spotlight, a podcast with content for both internal and external communicators. I'm Justin Teach, Reagan's Director of Virtual Events and your Communications Spotlight host. On today's episode, we look at a discussion from our recent Leadership and Executive Communications Conference hosted by Brunswick. Today's focus is executive communications at the intersection of corporations and nonprofits. Now, although their organization goals may differ, executive communicators at corporations and nonprofits can learn a lot from each other and even create mutually beneficial relationships. On this podcast, you'll discover how these experts are working across sectors to heighten their leaders' influence. This amazing session features Dee Mustafi, the Senior Director of Public Relations and Executive Communications at Dignity Health, Shana Davis, the Director of Executive Communications at American Cancer Society, and Kate Sachs, the Internal Communications Specialist at John Hopkins Medicine. If you like this session and want to hear more content like it, please visit reagantraining.com for membership. For one low price, you get access to over 600 hours of content featuring the best presentations from our live conferences to virtual events. If you are interested in membership, please visit reagantraining.com virtual and save $300. Again, thank you so much for being here. I'm Mandy Zaransky-Hurst, COO and Head of Leadership Councils for Reagan. And today I have the pleasure of moderating this fantastic panel about executive comms at the intersection of both corporations and nonprofits. So our three panelists today are going to do a quick introduction of themselves and tell you a little bit about their organizations. And then we're going to dive into a lot of questions. Also, we want this to be interactive, so we'll have a mic runner. Uh, so please raise your hand and ask questions throughout. Dee, let's go first. Great. Hi. Good morning, everybody. Um, I am such a comms geek, so apologies right now if I kind of go in different directions because I love this stuff. Uh, my name is Dee Mostofi. I uh, lead executive communications for a newly formed health organization called um, Common Spirit Health, and it's the combination of Dignity Health, which was a large uh, uh, health system in the West Coast with uh, Catholic Health Initiatives, which was a large system in the middle of the country, and together we've become one very large organization, 142 hospitals, $30 billion, 150,000 employees. Um, my focus and my colleague focuses on the internal side of leadership communications, sitting in the back. Um, I focus mostly on the external side of executive communications um, and advancing not just our two CEOs, um, but our leadership team as well. Good morning. My name is Shauna Davis, and I'm the Director of Global Executive Communications for the American Cancer Society. In my role, I uh, focus primarily on leading our CEO's thought leadership strategy in addition to supporting his direct reports and the team that um, leads their executive communications. My role is a bit of a hybrid role, um, both internal and external for Gary. And um, I've been with the Cancer Society for about two years. Hi, everyone. I'm Kate Sachs. I'm with Johns Hopkins Medicine um, based in Baltimore, Maryland. We have six hospitals, um, an international arm, home care group, community physicians. Um, total about 40,000 employees dispersed uh, throughout the East Coast. So um, I'm excited to be here. Also, I'm part of the internal communications team, which kind of rolls up into strategic communications. So looking forward to getting started. Thank you. Nice to meet all of you. So 
Abby did us a favor this morning, answering one of our questions. Thank you, Abby. Um, she talked about trying to coach leaders, and in one particular case, sustainability was the topic that helped to really showcase and humanize that leader and pull through some information that then gave them more of a stage. And so the question for the panel is, can you tell us about a time where you've tried to humanize your leader around um, them being a champion for a topic that they're passionate about. Dee, let's start with you and we'll just go down the row. Okay. Um, you know, as a health organization, we end up being involved in a lot of different issues because they're related to health. So um, sustainability is one of those most important issues to us, especially as you can't have a healthy planet and healthy people. At this, you know, you have to have both. They're intertwined and interlinked in many, many ways. Um, we are also involved in a lot of other social issues um, that are uh, both related to the organization and what we do. Uh, think about things, again, related to health, uh, gun violence, violence in general, uh, violence to gender violence, uh, violence against the self, um, looking at, uh, as well, social determinants of health, a very important issue to most health providers. But these are, you know, basics. You can't have, you can't be healthy without a home. You need food, shelter, safe places to live, safe, safe uh, access to health care. Um, and our CEOs, both of them, um, are African-American. So they also have personal passion points about health equity um, and, you know, trying to build a, a more diverse uh, workforce and build uh, diversity within communities. That's, um, again, towards uh, access for healthcare. Can you give us an example or two of how you've helped them leverage some of these topics in order to be out in the community more? Yeah, it's a good question because I think that, you know, when you think about, um, you know, the opportunities that we have externally, and again, that's been my primary focus, social media is a huge, huge piece of that. Um, I think for, for us, it kind of, I'm, I'm going to go back to my former hat when I was at Dignity Health, um, it started with Charlottesville. When, you know, uh, Saturday morning, uh, the CEO <laughs> texts me and says, we need to do something, this is blowing up, um, and we put together a simple tweet. Um, by Sunday, uh, more and more CEOs throughout the course of the weekend started to actually, you know, jump into the debate and what was going on, making a stand. Ken Frazier then, uh, you know, um, pulled off the round table for the President's Council. I can't remember what it was called. And by Monday morning, the sort of the wave had already crested. And so that, you know, his personal passion point, um, which was also a passion point for many people in the country and it really resonated and touched the humanity side of what's right and wrong and I, I think that you know I think there's there was big debate out of that so essentially we use social media to kind of you know immediately reach out to say this is something I care about this is something that I want to do um, and this is why. A great example. Shauna? Okay well we all know that um, cancer touches nearly everyone around the world. And for our CEO, he had a really compelling story of why cancer was important to him. He started off as an executive in pharmaceuticals, was um, a volunteer with our advocacy arm called ACS CAN, and then a volunteer with our, um, our board. 
So the fact that he became CEO of the American Cancer Society was quite a seamless transition for him. And one of the things that we did, um, we worked with a group here in, Atlanta, here in um, D.C. called the West Wing Writers, and we created a core narrative for him. And essentially what it does is it, tells, it connects his story to the, um, the passions of our organization, which essentially are the people that we support every day, whether it be cancer patients, researchers, caregivers, communities, um, and especially from an advocacy perspective, focusing on access to care. And so what we've, what we've done with this narrative is depending on where he is speaking, the, the topics that he's speaking on, we, um, we literally take sections out of the narrative. And that's, that's the work, that, that's the body of work that I use every single day, whether it be from a social media perspective, if he is at Aspen talking about access to care, there's a section that I'll pull out and um, really tweak for relevancy to that audience. In addition to um, our internal channels, um, our social co chorus partners here, they've worked with us on, on our employee app. And we use Gary360, which is Gary's channel, to really show our staff across the country like, what is Gary doing all day? All they know that he's in meetings and that he's traveling, but it's really important to really make that connection between what he is doing every single day and the advocacy work for ACS CAN and moving our mission forward, which is to end cancer. And really telling that why back to the employees and outward. Exactly. So the, the why, not only for our employees, but for our volunteers and our, our donors, our stakeholders that invested in our work, it's important for them to see that return every single day. Excellent. Thank you. So kind of along that vein, talking about um, telling stories, our, um, about a, year ago, a little over a year ago, we had a new president join our health system. Um, the previous president had been there for over 40 years, so it was a big, I think, last session we talked about that. It was a big change. Um, so when he started, he, at his prior, in his prior role, he had a blog, an internal blog. Um, he looked at employees' stories. He wanted to share stories of employees doing something for each other, doing something for patients, just what they were doing, great stories. Um, and he came to Johns Hopkins and he said, I need a blog. So my, one of my main projects is to write for his blog. Um, and so the blog launched last July, so it just celebrated one year. And we, I've had a great time um, working on it. I mean, people, it took a little while to kind of get, get started. Um, he was all for it. He actually does look at, read, and approve every single piece of content that is posted on the blog. Um, and then he has his executive speechwriter reply to comments, so um, we have that kind of involvement. But some of the stories that we've shared include employees going out and volunteering in the community. Um, we shared a story recently that got probably the most comments it's ever gotten of um, employees pulling together to pull together a wedding for a patient who was going to pass away for her daughter so that the patient could attend. So it's these kinds of stories that, you know, our healthcare employees, it's their daily life. They're looking out for the patients. They're looking out for one another. They don't think, oh, I should tell somebody in leadership about this. 
Um, but somehow that trickles out either to a manager who tells it to another manager who it rolls up to leadership. Um, and over the past year, people have started seeing the blog as a source of internal information and story sharing. Whereas before, we didn't really have a place for these great stories. You know, oh, we'll put them on the internet. Okay, nobody goes to the internet. Um, is it big enough for a, a full-blown editorial piece that's 2,000 words? No, not usually. So this has kind of been the perfect spot for these stories. Um, and people really enjoy it. We have a question over here. How often do you post on his blog? Every week. And it's usually um, at least two posts a week. About how long are your posts? <laughs> Maybe two paragraphs. Yeah. They're not long. I, I do that too, mm -hmm. and mine are 300 characters. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't limit myself right now, at least to a character limit. Um, it's just kind of telling the story, and you know, we don't need all the nitty-gritty details. So we've heard a couple of successes, but let's talk about room for improvement. I don't know about you, but I grow the most, and I think our organization and our staff grow the most when we stumble upon areas of room for improvement, or if we learn them from others and then don't make the same mistake. So uh, anybody want to share an experience where there was room for improvement? Um, I will share one. So. I imagine that many of us in this room are really challenged by the, um, the balance between speed, efficiency, and perfectionism. And, Anybody? Um, <laughs> and um, one of the things that has been a real benefit to me is that I have a team that's in three different time zones. And so often what will happen is um, I will start something, and then I will pass it along, and then by the time I get in in the morning, it's done, it's, it's ready for a last review, and it goes into the CEO. Now, I understand that, um, that not everyone has, has that luxury to be working across time zones, but um, it's very helpful to think of your workflow in an iterative fashion, and so, you cr so what we've done is we've really created um, workflows, if you will, for certain types of communications so that if there's ever something that just kind of comes out of left field or um, there's a crisis that we have to respond to very quickly, we have, you know, our, our core channels. Um, you know, you talk about your X number of characters. We have a formula for that as well. Anybody else? I can talk about... Okay, I don't um, want to put you guys in the yeah, hot seat. No, we I can have talk about audience of people that might have something to share. <laughs> so um, like many of you probably, we have town halls every quarter. Um, our town halls were getting pretty stale, and we would talk about our strategic priorities, try to make it applicable to all employees. Um, have, sometimes we would have a panel like this. Sometimes we would do polling, have people use their phones. Um, we did this for about two years, and it, you, know, you could really see it tapering off. And at the end of every town meeting, I would have to go back and say, OK, what were the great takeaways from this and there started not being great takeaways <laughs> so um, when our new president started we kind of scrapped the whole town meeting format um, and we started doing fireside chats is what we called them and we had two um, we specifically requested low kind of armchairs instead of these chairs 
Um, and we had them sit and they, you know, kind of sat and crossed their legs and they each had their cup of tea and it was in the morning and um, it, was, it was a huge hit. I mean, people were in line to talk to both our president and we also have a CEO. Um, so they did it together and we had people lining up to talk to both of them afterwards and there were a lot of great key takeaways from that. Um, and we found that to be pretty successful. So that was like a challenge and a success story. Mm. Well, let's, let's shift gears just a little bit. Uh, right now, we might be in a little bit of a dicey political climate. Um, and sometimes there are social topics that are conflicts for some organizations to talk about. So how have you all walked the line when there are political or social topics that might be challenging and maybe necessary to, to craft comms around? I think uh, for us, one of the things that we look at, um, sort of three questions you have to ask yourself. So the first question is, uh, does the social issue, uh, is it related to your value? How does it align to your values, the core values of your organization? The second thing you have to ask yourself is, is it aligned to your business in any way, shape, or form? Um, again, we've heard authenticity. It's probably a word that some of us might be tired of, but it's very true and it's very applicable in this case. If you're talking about something that doesn't apply to your business, then people, it rings hollow. Um, the third question you have to ask yourself is, what's the risk of weighing in? And just as importantly, what's the risk of not weighing in? Some of these social issues are so important and relevant to our employees as well as you know our stakeholder audiences externally that they want, to, they're looking for our response. Um, and so those are the sort of questions, the way we kind of approach the, the work. Well, I, I, I agree with Dee. Um, I think that we all know vaping is a very, very um, hot topic right now. And obviously because of the work that we do, we, we have passion around it. We have a very clear perspective on it. Um, I think the most important thing, whatever the issue is, to ensure that your organization is clear on where you stand. Um, I think we've all seen where individuals, organizations will waver on their position and therefore their integrity, their credibility becomes questioned. Um, and that's one of the things that we really benefit in terms of benefit from because we have an advocacy arm that um, really focuses on, on social issues. We, as an organization, we don't have a, a political stance because of the type of organization we are. Um, and we work really hard to um, have a voice in the conversations, a position in the conversations on the issues that matter to cancer patients. So recently when um, President Trump said some things about Baltimore City, um, I live in Baltimore City, I've lived there for seven years, I grew up in the area. Um, so within Johns Hopkins Medicine, I think about 12,000 of our 40,000 employees live in Baltimore City. Um, so definitely impacted a lot of our workforce. And this is normally something Johns Hopkins does not take stands, we don't take sides, we don't really take anything because <laughs> we just don't. Um, but this was actually something that uh, the, president's, the president and the CEO on the Johns Hopkins Medicine side and then also on Johns Hopkins University side, which is separate from um, the side I'm on, 
they, every, all three of them got together and said, look, we're putting something together. And it just kind of said, we're committed to Baltimore and we're committed to our workforce in Baltimore. Um, and that was, it was short and sweet. That was pretty much it. But it was just saying, you know, we're supporting you and, and here's our support for you. Does anybody in the audience have an example of when they've, you know, kind of handled that fine line around political or social issues and, and took some sort of a stand? Oh, great. One second. Here. So 37 years as a military public affairs person, um, going all the way back to Don't Ask, Don't Tell. But the most recent is transgender. Um, during the Obama administration, uh, transgenders were allowed to serve openly within the U.S. military. We only have 200 active duty, one of whom was transgender and had started transition. And then the Obama administration um, changed the policy. So we now have a person who's halfway through their transgender transition. And we have to figure out how to deal with that and how do we talk to all the people who are aware of what's going on, particularly the active duty. So we've actually been put in a position of having a person whose actual life has been affected by this. And the, the, the Admiral's simple thing was, we will continue to support this person as he transitions to her. And I hope I said that right. Um, we'll work with the whether he can stay in the military or not separately. His message to the, to the workforce was, you will continue to work with this person and you'll continue to respect what it is they're going through and just leave it at that. Um, but that to me was the most typical thing that ever happened to us where they changed the policy midstream and affected only one person in our organization, but certainly hundreds of others throughout DOD. So, and I think that's where your CEO has to be able to show empathy but also show, but I have to enforce the policy. So we go from there, and that's what you do. I think one thing that um, all communicators can do, we, you know, we sort of live and breathe messaging. And one of the things that we can do um, as, all, as organizations, no matter what issue you're talking about, is use the right language um, that's sensitive. I think it's really important whether you're talking about trans issues, whether you're talking about we do a lot of work with um, human trafficking, um, talking about people, and when I first started talking to reporters, they just wanted to talk to, you know, a human, they wanted to talk to a victim. It was all about the victim. And I'm like, no, these are survivors, you know? And it's teaching and educating them about the work that we're doing. Um, you know, and that includes the language that we use. And so I would just encourage you as you're working on social issues to make sure that you're really entrenched in the language, the proper language, because we want to be respectful um, at the end of the day. That's part of social responsibility is being respectful about whatever group or issue you're talking about. Thank you. So. Along the lines of respect, uh, business roundtable is something that also Ben and Abby talked about this morning. Thanks for setting us up. It's yeah. <laughs> so the business roundtable is um, something that 10% of our audience in the room today, their CEOs have signed off on. Um, how many of you are familiar with business roundtable? Great. So about 60%. And then also the UN Climate uh, Action Summit is this week. So around both of those topics, 
how can leaders be more involved and, and how have you helped your leaders kind of communicate some of those messages? I can start. Um, one thing we've found, it relates to sustainability, also community, like work within our communities. Um, we're doing a lot, but we're not telling that we're doing a lot. We're not telling our employees. Um, so that is actually something that over the past few years, we've really been working on finding those story, I don't know if it's a story, but just kind of finding those details um, and sharing them in a way that employees appreciate and understand and kind of know, oh, I work for this organization and they're doing great things in sustainability. They're doing great things in our community. Um, a good example of that is we have our largest campus in Baltimore um, has about 15,000 employees on it and we have a huge solar panel field in Southern Maryland that powers about a sixth of the electricity for that campus. Um, this is a lot of energy but we you know it's just it was a contract that was signed and it happened and some people you know a lot of people the important people knew about it um, and we decided to do a video and we our video team went down and they did drone shots across the solar field to show, you know, the magnitude. We know how big the campus is, but showing how big the solar panel field was, was huge. Um, and that was kind of a, a fun, something, something fun that we did. That, um, that was actually a couple years ago and people still talk about it. So um, I found that just telling, telling those points and saying this is what we are doing um, showing from year to year improvement or changes that really resonates with people. Hi, um, I'm Susan. I work in healthcare as well. And actually, with our organization, I would say we're not doing a heck of a lot on the sustainability front. And a concern I have in the executive communications role is that. Um, we're not going to get out ahead of some of the changes that our organisation needs to do. We're a huge emitter of greenhouse gases, um, just as a large organisation. And I'm concerned for the future of the organisation, if it doesn't start to get its arms around that, that a lot of change is going to be forced up upon us and that we are way behind the eight ball. So I don't know if you guys can speak to that at all. Um, we have been very involved in sustainability for a number of years, in part because we have to, to the, the point of the business roundtable, we recognize our own con contribution, negative contribution to um, uh, the environment. Um, I think healthcare as a sector uh, contributes 8% of the greenhouse gases in our country, which is a lot. Um, and so I would encourage you to, first of all, know what can your organization do um, and then how will your leaders then be able to talk about that? Uh, I think that, you know, this is an imperative for everyone, uh, you know, and, and however you want to engage that, but I would engage your leaders on it. And then, um, to your point, the executive comms team should lead maybe, you know, an effort towards pulling together the different stakeholders to be able to make a difference in what you do. There's a great organization called Healthcare Without Harm. If you're not aware of them, you, you, it's a great organization to kind of, they have a ton of resources. They're very connected to a lot of different things. And uh, they have great ideas on how to get you going as well. Um, at the American Cancer Society, our work really in this area has um, focused on um, our culture and really connecting our CEO, making him more accessible. 
um, to our employees. Uh, one of the things that we've done is um, we have a quarterly news program called Society Talk, and we started a new format called Society Unscripted. So literally, it's just our CEO and a camera, and we allow um, our staff to shoot in questions. And it's really just an open forum for all of us to connect as one organization and to um, create a direct line between our CEO and the staff of our organization. So we have about five or six minutes for questions. Any questions for the panel? ID. <clears throat> I'm just wondering, did you get any blowback for your stand on Charlottesville? Um, we did not. Uh, in fact, it was the most engaged. Uh, sorry, it wasn't Facebook. It was tweet. It, we went to Twitter, um, and that actually ended up becoming a post uh, that we sent out to all employees on Monday morning. Expanded from 240 characters, <laughs> um, but no, we didn't. Uh, and uh, it, we also took a very. Um, we stood on the side of humanity. We didn't go after, and we it's part of our culture, not to sort of go after any one organization or name anything outright. We did talk about the importance, and we, we believe in the healing power of humanity. So we sort of, when you take a more generalized view in that way, it's a little bit safer. Um, but it's also the right thing to do, and you need to be able to speak out on issues, and that's a great way to do it. You sort of lift up instead of digging in and, and and, and pointing fingers or anything like that, which we did not do. We kept it very high. As you think about evolving issues that happen really fast, like I think all three of you mentioned examples, can you talk a little bit about the, like who flagged it? Was it someone from the exec comms team or was it from like one of your executives? And then can you talk about how you put together the messaging and what was your timing like to turn it around? So in our organization, um, Issues are flagged from all over the organization, to be honest with you. So um, it's not unusual for me to go to sleep and wake up and have an email from my CEO or one of his direct reports, our board members, or our, our partners. And we've really gotten to a place where we've become more responsive. We have um, content experts that are identified for certain buckets of responses, if you will, and that really helps us around um, speed and accuracy. Um, the other thing that we make sure that we do is we talk to our CEO to understand what his position is. Um, at the end of the day, he's the face of the organization. Um, he is the external heart of the organization as well as our volunteers. And we want to make sure that whatever he is communicating is truly authentic to not only um, his perspective as our CEO, who is leading um, our strategic vision, our vision around cancer, our, our volunteer um, perspective as well, but that it's authentic to what we as an organization really believe in. We put together... Um because it's, it's hard, you have to do this, timeliness is everything. Um, and we just ran into this in a, a recent, um, the boat fire incident um, killed uh, one of our employees and uh, several of her family members uh, made the news. 
and uh, we went through this recently, we drafted an actual uh, response, social response procedure. Uh, it involves uh, several different stakeholders from different parts of the organization so that you can kind of pull together this team quickly to figure out is this an issue we want to respond to or not. And there is some criteria there. Um, it is a very sad fact that there are mass shootings on a regular basis now, but the, the rule is sort of like six people or more. Um, you know, at what point is it, does it affect one of our communities that where we serve? Does it affect one of, you know, our family members? At what point does it rise to the social relevance area that we decide that we want to act in? And then, and then there's a whole, you know, the messaging cascade to make sure that everybody knows and weighs in and the commas are all in the right spot um, and that everybody's bought on, a, uh, on it. But to uh, Shauna's point, Absolutely, it comes from everywhere, um, the ideas. Um, and just as important there too is when we don't weigh in on something, that's come back, that's been one of our mistakes and learnings, that idea of consistency, which has been mentioned a couple of times over the course of the last two days. When you don't weigh in, people want to know, well, why didn't you weigh in on this one versus that one? So consistency is very important. And it's so hard. Yes. Yeah. Any other questions? Thank you so much. Oh, we have one over here, oh, actually. Okay, sorry. Sorry, I'm behind the pillar. Um, this is a very broad question, but I'm just going to throw it out there. How do you move beyond that initial message, that initial announcement? Like, what is your follow-up communications plan to saying, like, we support sustainability? Where do you go from there? I can say I work on a daily e-newsletter that goes to all employees. Um, and so one of the things that our COO has actually personally requested of me is to include sustainability tips in that newsletter, um, which is, you know, I'm pulling content from wherever I can find it online. I'm not even getting it from, obviously, reputable sources, but I'm not getting it from our sustainability team or the COO himself. But it's something as simple as, um, you know, here's a two-sentence announcement about bringing your own water bottle to work in the morning or um, walking to work one day a week or you know things like that. So if there's an opportunity to incorporate kind of just one, two sentence reminders in if it's your CEO making remarks or a newsletter or something like that, that's kind of how we found to sprinkle reminders in. And that goes for things like our strategic plan too. Uh, for us, in addition to ensuring that we're really being thoughtful about all of our channel capabilities. Um, we really work closely with our board members, our volunteers, to really help us drive our um, demonstration of our commitment to our culture, if you will. Um, specifically, our, our board chair, um, he is very active. He will um, even partner with our CEO on staff communications. Um, and we do the same thing with um, some of our partners. So, for example, yesterday um, there was a, an event called Health Connect South. And the panel that, um, that Gary kicked off was about pediatric cancer. And so um, our chief marketing and development officer, along with um, one of our, our partners, St. Baldrick's, worked together on a joint presentation and um, so we'll, we'll use that content um, on our social channels as well as our um, internal comms channels. 
Um, and then we, you know, we look at these things like a campaign. Um, it does. It can't just be one stop. You know, it's got to be something that continues. So if we're looking, one of our pillars of communication is uh, social justice and sustainability falls within that. And then we find those events and we actually cultivate uh, and look for events and places where we can talk about these things so that it's not just talking about it in one place, but talking about it broadly across the spectrum in media, in uh, uh, events, um, and internally as well. Bless you. And to Kate's point, and mentioning it again and again mm -hmm. and again. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. It's been a terrific panel. We appreciate all of your, your thoughts and your experiences um, when things have gone well and also sharing when things had an opportunity for improvement. That's how we all learn. So thank you. Thank you for listening to our latest episode of the Communication Spotlight, a podcast for you, the communicator. If you like this session and want to hear more content like it, please visit reagantraining.com for membership. For one low price, you get access to over 600 hours of content featuring the best presentations from our live conferences to virtual events. If you are interested in membership, please visit reagantraining.com virtual and save $300.